Please stand for the reading of the word of God. Our scripture for today is 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 22. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Gosh, it is good to be together. It's good to, we, this is the, there are two sermons left in First Thessalonians as we've gone verse by verse through that book of the Bible. And one of the things I think is interesting is realize that the church in Thessalonica didn't have the whole New Testament. For them, like, this was their book. I mean, this was where they were like, okay, this is what we had. They had this in the Old Testament. And maybe they had a few letters that had been circulated where churches were making copies, were like, hey, get this out to the other churches. Um, but what I think is amazing is encapsulated in this letter that you could, if you didn't get distracted, you could sit down and read this thing in like 20 minutes. Um, and to realize that we've spent weeks walking through it, and that's how, how dense in like the best, in like a concentrated orange juice way, how much is there as we, we tease it out and as we talk through it and as we look for it to be applied to our lives. And uh, this, the way that we're stepping in this week and next week is really a crescendo. It, it's, it's hopefully a really clear last message for us to live out. And by the grace of God, we've, we have the whole counsel of God. We have the entirety of the New Testament and one of the ways that I've been thinking about this section in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, I've been thinking about sports a lot. And I don't know if it's just because my oldest is in volleyball and we're doing a lot of sports-type things with uh, Collins Maxwell. But when I was growing up here, I think I would mark the seasons by sports more than what was happening outside. <laughs> like, it was like, who cares what the temperature is like? It's football season. Who cares what the temperature is outside? It's basketball, or it's track, or it's baseball. And for, for me, at least in my experience at Collins Maxwell, I, I had a lot of great coaches. Um, our football coach, uh, Mr. Neeland, loved dearly, was able to connect with him as an adult later in life. Uh, but Neil Seals, who lives in Baxter, was probably the coach that I had that just impacted me like crazy. Uh, coach Seals would just... Um, Man, like I was not, don't look at me and think like this guy was a track superstar. I was not. But what he was able to do in me <laughs> showed like he was highly skilled. And then some other people like uh, Bryce's brother, Kevin, that, that we were on the team together and others that truly excelled. And what I think was amazing was year in and year out, Mr. Seals would be able to get a bunch of us who really were not good in any sports to be dominant in men's track. 
Same people. Same people that were starters in all those sports and terrible. I think in basketball, I looked at our thing. We were like, like 1 in 17 was the, the, like our varsity basketball record and dominant in track. Same people. And every practice with Coach Seals felt like he was building into us, making us better every week. Like you would maybe be like, man, we're going to hurt so bad tonight when we get done with practice. But it was fun. It was exciting because we knew that he was forming us into the best version of what we could be. Now, granted, like with me, he only had so much to work with and there was only so far that he could take you. But it was exciting to know you were a part of something where a person had a plan for you to make you successful. And uh, we wanted him to coach us during practices because we knew that he was building this into us, into being a victorious team. And uh, we knew that he knew how to get us there and that each step of the way was his plan to get us there. And I just feel like First Thessalonians has been this. This is the way I feel like First Thessalonians has been so far, is our Savior is, a, is directing the Apostle Paul each week to train us, to teach us, to disciple us in the midst of a hard year, tough season, to form us to be Jesus' victorious church. Like, I mean, that's like this week I've been like, this is amazing what he's doing here. I mean, like, this is, a, this is really something. Each verse, each chapter has been laying this foundation. But then I was thinking how with, with Coach Seals, we would have this, like, weekend, like, day in, day out, week by week practice schedule to be able to get where he was leading us. But then there was a different type of intensity. There was a different type of preparation that didn't happen during our regular practices, but that's what would happen on the bus on the way to track meets. There would be a time on the bus where, like, all the radios would get turned off. He would stand up in the front. You know, the bus driver would be here. He'd stand up, and then he had, his, he had a thing that he would then lead us into to prepare us for getting off the bus. And it, it would be a lot of times kind of a summary of things that he said before. I feel like we would lean forward because it's like, okay, if I wasn't paying attention earlier, I need to pay attention now because we're getting ready to get off the bus. And, uh, and I felt like we were like really like for today, you need to remember some of the things that I've taught you. But then I think what was interesting is sometimes he'd throw in some new stuff, some new last minute things where it's kind of like, we haven't heard this before, but I think we need it for right now. And this is the way I feel like 1 Thessalonians 5 is. Is like we've been through the first several chapters of kind of this like formation, discipleship, practicing, and now we're getting ready to get off the bus. And here's kind of a summary of some things. Here's some new things. Here's we're, we're packing a lot together because we're almost there. And this is what we need for right now. This is what we need as we are being discipled, as the Thessalonica church doesn't exist anymore. If you go there, it's not there. We are people who exist right now. The, the, this word is for us. It was for them, and it is desperately for us in rural central Iowa as Jesus builds a church, as he is on a sacred mission here in rural central Iowa. So could I pray into this as we get ready to step into these verses? Lord, I, 
I do ask that you would train us today in a way that we know that we are a part of the most victorious thing that's ever existed. Would you form us into that to be your disciples here at this place? Lord, I thank you that you're always moving in us for our good. I thank you that you want us to live at peace. You want us to love our lives. Even in the middle of hard times, you want us to be alive in you. Lord, you want us to have a peace that's deeper than our circumstances, to have, a relation, to have relationships that are as healthy as what you call us to live out in this precious word of yours to us, the Bible, your scriptures. So, Lord, would you disciple us? Would you form us this morning for our good, for the joy of our community, for your glory? We pray these things. Amen. So we're in First Thessalonians. Uh, if you have a, a, a regular printed Bible, uh, we'll, we'll put it on the screen too. You can have it on your phone. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one in your hands, we have the scripture journals. Um, it's okay even. I think we have some left on the Connect table, which is just First Thessalonians with extra pages in it so you could take notes. But then we also have hardback Bibles if you want to grab one. And First Thessalonians, the way I just remember it is we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then we have the book of Acts, the history book of the New Testament. Then we have Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, which are all letters from Paul. And then 1st Thessalonians is after that. So if you find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just keep going to the right and you'll find 1st Thessalonians. So it starts this way in verse 12 of chapter 5. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Uh, see how verse 12 starts by saying, we ask you. Now skip ahead. So see where it says we ask you. Now skip ahead to verse 14 and see how verse 14 says we urge you. Interesting there. We ask you. We urge you. So it's, this is getting a little syntactical, but if you're into English grammar or Greek grammar. Uh, so verse 12, the we ask you is followed by a bunch of uh, participles who are in the form of infinitive. And what that basically means is verse 12 and 13, we're, we're hearing this like, hey, we ask you to do this. But in verse 14, it now says we urge you. And instead of infinitives, it's now followed by imperatives. So what this is, is saying is that, is that as this is being written, the church community is asked to look a certain way, not commanded as strongly, but then as we move into this section, we're going to see it, it like kicks up. And it's like, okay, we're, we're really like saying, you, you must be like this, okay? Like, please, there's, there's no other way. You know, be like seals being like, guys, this is not optional. Boom. And we're getting there. But it's like, this is kind of optional, but you should do this. You should do this. And so this first one that we see in verse 12, this first part, major point for us to be discipled in today is have a healthy relationship with sacred mission church leadership. Have a healthy relationship with sacred mission church leadership. One thing we know about Paul and we, we can see this if you read First uh, and Second Corinthians, which he wrote, is that the church in Corinth was starting, there were people in the church that were starting to like go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Paul 
and say bad things about Paul, and we're basically trying to sow seeds of, of discord, sow seeds of doubt, sow seeds of opposition in the church of Corinth towards Paul. And we're trying to form a divide between there. And, and you, we see the pain of that, especially in 2 Corinthians, the way that Paul's having to write and prove his love and, and his concern genuinely and how he is truly following Jesus as an imperfect man. Um, here, how he is saying this, we ask you, we, we ask you to have a healthy relationship with sacred mission, church leadership. Um, and this isn't saying you should respect things that aren't worthy of being respected. This isn't like, like close your eyes, you know, plug your ears and just respect. But so often divisions come, not, not necessarily from like blatant sin, but from a preference thing of being like, eh, it's not the way I would do it, so I'm going to go this way. And man, I've never been drawn to a church that is in like a bitter fight internally and is having like really serious disrespect for leadership of the church. Like I've never been like, oh gosh, I want to be a part of that. So bad. But having people who like genuinely could be like this, that because of Jesus are actually welcoming each other, praying for each other, believing the best in each other, loving each other is a place that we, we want to be. And look how it says, as much as possible, would you, I ask you, would you respect those who have given their lives to labor among you? Most believe this is speaking of the offices of elder and deacon is, is the, the way that this is written. And we hope to have in sacred mission, multiple people in those offices in the church. And in membership meetings, we've had a lot of questions and be able to have great conversations about what that could look like as we head over the next couple of years, hopefully leading towards a, a plurality of elders, which seems to be the main teaching in the New Testament is to have a plurality of elders and then to have those who are leading through serving as deacons and to have those two offices in the church. One isn't like JV, varsity. They're actually both very called offices in the church. And you see Stephen and how, like, how Scripture speaks of Stephen as a deacon in the church and us to pray, Lord, would you, would you send us many Stephens to be able to, to see this church continue to grow? And my hope is our church places such a high value on respecting those who are laboring and serving the people of Sacred Mission Church. Labor here carries the sense of working for you and are over you. This carries the idea uh, not of like a dictator leadership, but this carries the idea of that there are truly leaders that are taking responsibility to guide and protect and be responsible for the souls of this body of believers. Scripture even says like, hey, you're going to be judged more severely by how you lead my body that I died for and how you lead them. And those are the ones who are laboring over you, who are saying like, hey, I humbly believe you've called me into this, into this even place of extra accountability for G to Jesus for being a servant leader. Then it's mentioned the leader admonishes, admonishes you in the Lord. Leaders should take very seriously, and we should lift this up as Sacred Mission Church, that we take very seriously the teaching ministry of the living church. 
That's not meant to be this side thing or, or this thing where we're just driving to church and being like, what should we teach on today? Like this is something, it should be rooted in prayer. It should be, we should spend much time coming to the Lord and, and searching in scripture and making sure we're understanding precisely what he's saying to us for right now. And, and as we take seriously the teaching ministry of the church, that Jesus has actually taken time to gift leaders in every church that's ever existed. Think of that. Any church that's ever existed in the world, Jesus has taken time to, to appoint and gift people to teach, to serve in that church. That the word of God would be empowered by the spirit to teach us in this place at this time the amazing people that make up Sacred Mission Church. The church is asked and I ask that this would be part of the DNA of our church, is that we would esteem our leaders very highly in love because of their work. Esteem our leaders very highly in love because of their work. Sacred Mission Church will never have perfect leaders. It won't. We have one who is truly leading this church, Jesus, and the rest of us are imperfect, broken leaders. Every leader of Sacred Mission Church will be a sinful person desperately in need of Jesus. My hope and prayer is for the people of Sacred Mission Church to have a healthy relationship with the leadership of the church as we follow Jesus and, and say, would you follow me as I follow Christ? Would we pray for each other? What a gift to each other. What a gift to our community for respect, esteem, and love. Something that we don't easily give others in our society. We don't easily share that with other people in our culture. We are way too fast to say, hey, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some scandal about ready to get broken out that I'm going to be outraged about. Like that's kind of, I feel like when I check Facebook, it's like, show me what to be outraged about and who I should be outraged in. Like, I mean, that just seems our culture right now. And what a gift if respect, esteem, and love are actually uh, generously given as a way that our church is following people who are following Jesus. And personally, I, I say, like, I'm glad these verses are in here to, to bring us like that to, to be intentional in our thought. And, man, I want you to know that me personally, that, that I, I truly think leading this church will be one of the greatest joys of my life. I mean, outside of my wife, my kids, family things, um, like actually being able to be a leader of this church is, is amazing. It truly is amazing. I think it will by far be one of the greatest joys of my life that God has allowed me to lead and as we pray to have leaders raised up in this church that we can love each other, serve each other, and, and for us to realize like, man, the stakes are too high for us to not be praying for each other. The stakes are too high as we have this gigantic target on us. By I'm sure the enemy is like, hey, I want to take that, that church out. I want to take those leaders out. And man, nothing is too big for Jesus, the center of this church, the center of this world. And I think let's pray for each other here that the Lord would form us more and more to, to have a health as a church that we have healthy relationships with the leadership of the church. And, and I, this is Paul's first focus of the discipleship as we're, we're wrapping up this letter. But then Paul then transitions. And what I love there, too, is Paul is not the pastor of the church. 
So, you know, you can say, like, well, that's something that he would obviously write to say, like, hey, respect me. But he's, he's not the pastor of the church, and we don't even know the names of the pastors of the church in Thessalonica. Uh, there are some people that will be mentioned next week, but we're not sure if they're the pastors of the church. So I love that they're unnamed people who are servants of God, who, who history never knows their name, and that's great because Jesus does, and Jesus knows our name. Um, he, so Paul transitions them from the importance of having a healthy relationship with the leaders of the church to then his second major discipleship focus for us in these last important words of the letter, verse 13. And this is where we start getting to the urge you language. Look at starting at verse 13. Be at peace among yourselves. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idol encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. The second discipleship focus we can say is have a healthy relationship with each other. Have a healthy relationship with the leadership of the church. Now have a healthy relationship with each other. Man, this, uh, this week there's been several times that I've just thought, this is really good. <laughs> like, this is really nice of our God to write this. It's so kind for us to think of us this way. And one of the reasons was because I was watching quite a bit of the Senate hearings on, the, on uh, Barrett and her nominee uh, to being a nominee to the Supreme Court. And it, it was just so clear that Republicans and Democrats on that panel are different, see things differently, and they're not too much into each other, right? They're, they're, they're really seeing it differently, talking past each other and clearly not liking each other. So it's like all week, anytime you tune in, it's like, well, let me just see people hate each other. Oh, gosh, this is really interesting. And that's not... It, it is very important. Um, it's not to downplay the importance of it, but what I'm realizing, though, is it's not easy for people who see things differently to get along. Go to Facebook and just start looking around. It's not easy for people who see things differently to get along. It's not easy for people who are different to get along with each other. And in this room, we have 100% unique people. No two of us are the same. And even if it's like, well, we're pretty much the same. We live in the same small town. We kind of grew up the same. Well, gosh, if we get to know each other, we'll see we are very different. Every one of us is utterly unique. It is beautiful. That is being made in the image of God. Like if he takes the time that no two snowflakes are the same, um, there is no way that any of us are going to be the same uh, because of the beauty of just the diversity of his creation. We are unique, and he wants us because the Prince of Peace is most central to our relationship. He wants us to enjoy being at peace with each other. And it just struck me. It's like, man, if I was on the Judiciary Committee this week, I wouldn't have, like, ended the day, gone home, and over dinner been like, man, I had a peaceful day today. 
right? I probably would have been like, you know, like just all jittery from like just not being at peace with anybody other than, you know, the other people that saw things the way that I saw things. But I wasn't truly at peace. I was the opposite. And I was just overcome with the idea that in our closest relationships, the people that we are around the most, he's like, I want you to like, not just like look like it, but I want you genuinely to be at peace with each other. And I was just like, that is nice of him. That is so kind of him that that is what he wants for us. That is his design for us. His design for us is not like, man, we just hate everybody and, uh, or everybody hates me. And there are people in our community that feel that way. I have multiple people I know who have, who have told me, like, I don't remember my parent ever telling me one time my entire life that they love me. Multiple people within 10 miles of here have told me that uh, in confidence. And for us to actually be an unusual people, and I love this is why it's like getting off of the bus. Hey, last words. Really, really, this has to characterize you. It has to be in your DNA because I want you to have a good life. I want you to enjoy life. I want you to actually have joy. So I want you to be at peace with each other. Paul urges our relationship with each other to be healthy in a few ways. First, admonishing the idol. It's not okay. It shouldn't be okay. It should bother us if anybody that is close to us is treading water in their relationship with God. If anybody in our community is treading water, we don't come over and like sink them. We come over and been like, hey man, there's great joy moving forward. There's great joy growing in Jesus. Let's not tread water here. Let's, let's go together. How about we pace together? You know, let, let's do this together. Let's go together. I don't want you to be left behind admonishing the idol. Our community groups and our time together on Sundays during this gathering, I think are important for us not just to show up and leave and kind of have like this individualized relationship with God, but where we're actually looking and encouraging each other and that none of us are growing idle in our lives with God. And then second here in the passage, we say, encourage the faint-hearted. Not kick the faint-hearted when they're down, not exploit the faint-hearted. And I kind of looked into this, like, I don't use the word faint-hearted very often. Like, what does this actually mean? And I thought, like, the simplest explanation is someone who is down. If you're encountering someone who is down, if you're feeling down, our walk with God is a community project. And I am learning that more and more and more. 20 years now walking with Jesus is like, yes, each person individually, no one gets into heaven through being born into the family of God. No one gets to heaven in group. Like we all individually must put our trust in Jesus. And when we individually put our trust in Jesus, we are part of a body of believers and our walk with Jesus becomes a community project. And in the community project here is we encourage those who are down. When people are vulnerable and they share where they're at, we encourage them. And third, to help the weak. This can be people who are spiritually weak. Uh, the, the words give, give that breadth of meaning, spiritual weak, but also those who are physically weak. 
that we help those who are physically weak. You got to just pause every time that there's a big cheer in kids' church. Uh, it's awesome, man. They're encouraging us in their excitement. Um, help the weak, and this will take a lifetime. This will take us a lifetime to admonish the idle, to encourage the faint-hearted, to help the weak. And here we're taught, be patient with them all. Be patient with them all. If, I, if someone was standing over me and was like, hey, you're supposed to be made to look more like Jesus every day. Come on, it's been four days. Like, I mean, like the Lord, man, he, uh, he has changed my life. I know he has transformed me, and I'm hoping that there is a mountain of transformation he still has yet to do in me, and that that's true for all of us, and that we be patient with each other as we are around each other and as we are encouraging each other towards our Savior and what he is doing in us. Would the Lord give us patience in realizing that all of us are part of this lifetime community project of us growing more like Jesus. And man, like, I think it would be hard for us to overestimate what this would look like in our community if we grow more and more into this. What would this would look like where it's like, man, the support that you have, the, the people who are in your corner, the things that we are actually doing to purposely and intentionally have healthy relationships with each other, keeping short accounts with each other, um, like, I want to be a part of that. Verse 16 then transitions us from having healthy relationships with each other. And let me just say, too, like, when I was in college at, at UNI, that was one of the major things that I wanted, like, yes, I wanted my sins to be forgiven. I, the, I felt this, like, huge weight on me of my sin, and I wanted my sins to be forgiven. I, I just knew that God was real. He saw my real sin, and I knew, like, hey, there's something really broken in my relationship with him, and I need to figure out what that is because I think I'm trying the try-harder approach, and the try-harder approach isn't working. I think there's another approach. And while I was in that kind of weird zone uh, that was beautiful in some ways because I was, I was becoming more aware of the realness of God than I'd ever been, the realness of my sin that I'd ever been. And I just kind of started floating around church things, thinking that somewhere I'd pick up some way to be free. And as I was floating around church things, what struck me was the relationship that those people had with each other. It was like, they like call each other brothers and sisters, kind of weird, but kind of awesome, and I want to be a part of it. <laughs> and just the love that they had for each other was really contagious to me. And I was like, okay, what these people have, the way that these people talk, I'm still not quite sure like what they're talking about, but the way that they're interacting with each other, I want in on this, and I need to, I need to start figuring out what, what's happening here and, and get a feel for what's going on here. And uh, and man, I, I pray that that would happen here as well. Then verse 16 transitions us from having a healthy relationship with the leadership of the church, having a healthy relationship with each other, to this last big area of discipleship, uh, starting verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. And I think a way that we could kind of speak of this third focus of our discipleship is have a healthy relationship with God. 
have a healthy relationship with leadership, with each other, and now have a healthy relationship with God. And it starts by rejoice always, not just when times are good. Even in really hard times, we can be aware of all the treasures that we have in Jesus. Because you could say, like, well, it's easy for Paul, I'm sure, to write, rejoice always. This guy is rotting in a first century Roman prison and is writing this. So it's not coming from an ivory tower. It's coming from somewhere where we know his circumstances have not improved. So if your circumstances have not improved, but you're able to actually rejoice, then God is doing something that's bigger than your circumstances. And he is moving in us in a way that is bigger than our circumstances because the answer is not, well, I'll be happy when my circumstances change. Paul is writing for this from a place where he's like, I might not get out of this place alive. And he would end up not getting out of places like that alive and, and become a martyr. But here, the book of Philippians even is known. It's a prison letter, and that's known for him talking about joy so much. It's a major theme of that letter. How wonderful for us, for our families, for our church, if our relationship with God is growing to the point where things that used to just infuriate us, things that used to make us go dark, things that used to make us go numb, things that used to make us lash out at other people, things that used to isolate us, are now actually, there's a joy that we're experiencing in Jesus that is bigger than those things. And that is actually, those things are decreasing as he is increasing. One way we rejoice is through praying without ceasing and giving thanks in all circumstances. And this doesn't mean like we quit our jobs and spend 24-7 on our knees. Prayer, we, I don't think any of us should ever be like, hey, I'm really into prayer. I don't know if that's true for anybody of just being into prayer. But we're into Jesus, so we talk with him. I think that's like, I, I love thinking of prayer that way. It's like, I don't pray because I'm into prayer. I pray because I'm into Jesus and we talk. And we have a relationship, and that is prayer, is, is Jesus and I talking with each other as I am learning how to have a healthy relationship with him in my real life, a real Savior in my real life. As we're verbally processing some things together, and in that, he's teaching me how to giving, give thanks in all circumstances. How to, how to truly be a people where individually each of us are like, I would have never, thank you would not have been any words that would come out of my mouth in this situation. And now there is a relationship where Jesus is building in my life, where my, the power of my God is building in my life, that I'm actually able to be like, God, thank you for so much that I'm seeing now of your presence, of, of, of how you are working here, of, of me even just so thankful I'm at peace with you. Being at peace with you allows me to maybe grow here in this relationship where I hope to see peace. And maybe through that, they will find your peace too and give their lives to you. Thank you that maybe this opportunity is being custom made by you for the salvation of other people. And would you do that? And teach me this because I'm, I'm in uncharted territory. And usually he's like, good, this is where I want you. <laughs> I want you a little unsafe so that it will be clear that only I can do the things that I'm calling you to do. And look at this, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
He doesn't want us to grin and bear it. He doesn't want us to try harder. He wants the Spirit to be our power, our counselor, for us to not quench the Spirit. This is His will, and don't quench the Spirit. Uh, Let the Spirit actually be the one that empowers you, that counsels you. Don't just be like, hey, I don't need, I can do this my own way. No, you need the Spirit to counsel you. You need the Spirit to develop spiritual fruit in you in circumstances that usually had no fruit. Part of this verse, verse 20, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. We haven't experienced prophecies very much in the life of Sacred Mission Church up to this point, and I hope that we do see more and more of this. I hope that as we are not quenching the Spirit, as we are having him increased and we are decreasing, that there are times when the Lord will speak to someone in our community. And once again, our, our faith being a community project, he could just in prayer uh, put something on our heart. He could share something with us. But by his grace, sometimes he'll share it with somebody else. And then that person can come and be like, hey, this is, this is different. But like, man, just very clearly, I thought of you and I thought of these few words, or I thought of this, or I don't know who this is for, but man, when I was praying, I just kept thinking like, they're really tired. And man, let's just see where that goes. And I have seen some amazing things happen as what we're doing is something that would never contradict scripture. We would test it to scripture. We would pray and then say, gosh, our God has spoken straight into our community with a very clear word from him that is super in context with scripture. And gosh, it just encouraged our socks off to see him work in that way. And I think that this is some of what he's saying here is to, man, don't despise those things. Actually have your antenna up, test them and hold fast to what is good as we are abstaining from every form of evil, as we are pushing back darkness. These three, being intentional about having a healthy relationship with Sacred Mission Church leadership, having a healthy relationship with each other, having a healthy relationship with God, the one who designed us, the one who loves us, the one who knows how we should live to live healthy lives. It's his design for us in rural central Iowa to actually be like, God, you are graciously allowing my relationships, you, like, I'm experiencing peace and joy, even in my circumstances. That's, I mean, Brandon's testimony of that, um, man, encourages me. And, and he just shared just the tip of the iceberg of what the Lord's doing in his family's lives as they are living in Pennsylvania and coming here to be a part of, of the church as, as they grew up here and everything. Uh, but for that to be all of our stories in, in the ways that the Lord is working for us for our joy, for our freedom to flourish here. And we're going to dive a lot further and deeper into this. That's part of what we do in community groups this week is that we, we kind of piece this apart and look at it for our lives and pray for each other and talk it over. Um, and if you aren't planning on being part of a group this week, I, I would just encourage you to to think about checking one out this week. It'd be a great week to jump in. A uh, great part is like there aren't any chapters of a book to read because we've all been a part of this together and then can, can talk it over together. So, so if you have a Tuesday night, Wednesday night, or you can make Thursday night, one of those nights work, 
would love to have this be a week where you jump in and at least just test out us talking over this and praying over this. But today I trust that the Lord has been discipling us today through his word. Uh, Man, I, I think it might be good just to ask yourself of these areas, where am I healthiest right now? Where am I healthiest right now in these areas? Like, where is it like, man, thank you, Lord, that I feel, I feel like my relationship with you is really strong right now. Uh, where am I healthiest right now? Then of these three areas, where am I least healthy right now? Where do I feel like it, it's his way, just as like Coach Seals would do, be like, okay, Tim, you need to do a long run today. And I'm like, okay, I'm sure that has something to do with some area I need to grow in, so I'm going to do it because I know that this is for my thriving. And so I would just say, like, where do you feel like is a growth area where, where our great coach, our God, is showing us areas to grow so that he can transform us? So that he can say, hey, this week I want you to grow here. And as each week we are growing step by step, we're, we're growing into the likeness of Jesus, and we're growing as a church to be a brighter light in our community. Um, and some today, he's inviting you to give your life to him, to, to give your life to Jesus today, to, to start there, to have the Spirit, Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1 tells us that upon believing, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, who's your, who's your deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. And so for some, putting your trust in Jesus today will be what, uh, what starts all of this. And man, we'd love to rejoice with you there. Uh, but Lord, I just ask that however, however you are using this morning for our peace, however you're using this morning for our greater joy, um, Lord, would you make that really clear to us? Would you keep us from isolating? Would you keep us from withdrawing? Would you keep us from pushing each other away? But Lord, would, would you allow us just to have a DNA about us where, where we are truly sharpening each other as you are at work in us? And Lord, would you, would you keep us from moving away from you, Lord? But in this, would we step towards you and say yes, yes to what you're doing in us right now, knowing that it'll be a light to others and it'll be good for our soul, Lord. So thank you that you desire our flourishing We just give this morning to you, Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. Amen. So we're, um, beautiful thing that we get to step into every week is communing with him. So so we should never walk away and be like, okay, Jesus, I'll come back next week and tell you how I did. No, it's us stepping to him and being like, okay, I can't do any of this apart from you. Uh, I need you. I need to commune with you. And so he designed this, said, do this as often as you do in remembrance of me. I will do this with you at the wedding feast of the Lamb. But until I do this, do this together as the body of Christ. So we have uh, wine and juice. Obey your conscience there. And what we'll do is there's a cup within a cup. So just grab a cup. Uh, then uh, we, will, we will take this together. There are warnings of Scripture of don't come too quickly to the table. If there's known sin in your life, repent of that sin, uh, then come and come confidently uh, that he is for you. If you're not a believer, I would say instead of coming here, come to Jesus. Give your life to him. So, so let's come to the table. Let's get the elements. Then we'll stay standing. We'll take together as family.